Hey guys, what's up? It is week 318. You know what? Let's hop right into these reviews. And the first one up is a doozy. This is from Synapse Films. And we've been waiting for this a long time. But it's always worth waiting with Synapse. They always do an excellent job. And this one is no exception. And this is a film by Jimmy Glickenhaus or James Glickenhaus. He actually had a production company as well with um, Shapiro. Uh, well, I don't remember Shapiro's first name. But they produced some of Frank Hanelotter's movies. They produced a lot of wild films. And uh, Jimmy Glickenhaus's films were actually really great action flicks and some kind of exploitation style things. But this one is McBain, starring Christopher Walken and Maria Conchita Alonso. She's in The Running Man, Predator 2, uh, Vampire's Kiss. She's in a slew of movies. This movie also has got a great supporting cast. And I didn't know a lot of these people were in it when I popped it in. And that's that's some of the excitement of watching a lot of these like older action films. This is from 91, if I'm not mistaken. And like so it pops in, and I'm like... Oh crap, Steve James is in this. He's in a couple of Glickenhouse movies like The Soldier and Exterminator. Good actor. Always fun. Uh, I think he's in some of the canon pictures as well. And then Thomas Waite uh, is in here. That's Windows from The Thing. He's in The Warriors. He had a great role in the television program Oz. Uh, and then, of course, Michael fucking Ironside is in here, which was amazing to see Ironside in the film. Um, and he, I never got. I love seeing him walk with, uh, act with Christopher Walken, which was a treat. I never thought I'd see them together in a movie. Uh, it's also very cool that Maria uh, Chicada, uh, Chicada Alonzo is in here as well because that kind of makes a reunion uh, for... Uh, Ironside and her from Extreme Prejudice uh, from 87, the Walter Hill movie. Really great movie. Full of action as well. And uh, not to mention Victor Argo is also in here, which makes it a reunion for Walken and Victor Argo from King of New York. Uh, Victor Argo is in a lot of like, you know, he's in um, King of New York. He's in The Funeral. He's in Taxi Driver. Great character. True romance. Great actor. Uh, I know I'm probably missing a couple others that pop up in here too. So it's like, uh, Luis Guzman has a tiny role. So yeah, this is kind of like the Vietnam kind of style film where you know they have the Vietnam the Vietnam vets and they come back and they have this mission. It's not similar to Let's Get Harry or Uncommon Valor, but it does share some DNA with that. It's more so like uh, the '80s film that Walken did called Dogs of War, where him and like a group of like mercenaries kind of like over uh, help overthrow this government kind of deal. So. Basically, in the very beginning of this film, uh, Walken is rescued from a POW camp in an amazing action sequence. It's really intense. Tons of explosions, tons of fight scenes. You see, meet all the characters. And I love how they try to make them younger. Like, Ironside has a greasy ponytail. And Thomas uh, uh, has, like, this uh, these sideburns and everything. And Walken's wearing his hair different. So, basically, 18 years later, one of the guys that rescued him, um, he's a Colombian citizen as well. Um, and he tries to overthrow the crooked president. And... And he dies in the process and walk in feeling obligated to him and uh, his sister decide to help you know, kind of overthrow this crooked president, but they're going to need a lot of help. So there's a lot of big chunk of this movie that takes place in like uh, New York. And uh, basically, they, you know, they're just like kind of trying to escape, get money together. It seems a lot like Exterminator or a lot like, you know, a William Lustig picture. And I got to give it up for Glickenhaus, honestly. His movies, if you guys never seen like Shakedown, that movie's insane with action. And I miss a lot of these directors. And I'm a big action fan from like the 70s, 80s, 90s, even the 60s. But after we hit a certain point, I lost almost all 
interested in action films and crime films. They just don't do anything for me anymore. And it's just the sense of danger is not there. And I, I mean, I'm not saying I put people's lives at danger, but we have tons and tons of movies to go back to. So I don't ever have to watch new ones if I don't want to. There's a couple that I really like, but you know, they're usually foreign or like the raid or something. But like these ones had such a special style to them. Tons of squibs, tons of explosions. They went above and beyond. Um, they went above and beyond what, you know, not being a, a mo major motion picture and they seem better than a lot of them. So, like I'm saying, like, Glickenhaus is one of these guys that filmed these gritty, crazy action scenes. But also people like William Lustig did that. Um, and there's just uh, Abel Ferreira. Uh, um, so, like, they had, like, all these directors working in the, in the same time and everything. And they just, you know, e even if you take somebody like Nico Makarovskis, who's always trying to work above his means. These directors, you know, they, they were smart. And they were you know, good directors, especially if you watch some of the transitions in this film, you watch some of the tracking shots, the crane shots. This is a really well done film. It's got a lot of great characters. It's got a lot of good action, a lot of good acting. Um, the one thing I will say is uh, they, they, they didn't decide to go one way that I thought they would, you know, more of a, a sadder film. They don't really go that way, but it does have like these kind of like big songs in there that would suggest like they're going to be like this big, like hit movie with this hit soundtrack. So it's like, it feels as good and as professional and as big as it could be much bigger than it was probably budgeted at but uh, i really love this and I, I love the kind of old kind of vietnam guys going on a mission that that's just is like i i love suicide mission movies dirty dozen was one of my all-time favorite movies growing up i love the i love kelly's heroes all these kind of deals these man on a mission movies are some of my favorite subgenres, and there's a bunch of these vietnam ones as well and I love Vietnam films. Anything that involves Vietnam, I'm kind of sucked into just because it's such a crazy, crazy deal. But uh, yeah, the only special feature on here is a commentary with Jimmy Glickenhaus and um, a moderator. I've heard his name before. I probably mispronounced it. Uh, Chris Paglia. Um, and he does a good job. You know, he, he brings up some things. And Jimmy Glickenhaus remembers quite a bit. And, and it's funny, he brings up, you know, he's like, a lot of these movies didn't have like a political, you know, the, the moderator saying that like a political bend to him. It's just telling a story. And, and you know, you could see somebody seeing this as like a, a kind of like a, a crazy kind of fantasy like almost like i said red dawn was like a crazy conservative wet dream right you know russian invading nights or nightmare whatever you want to call it so like you're looking at this they're like oh you know you know these kind of ex-military going in and overthrowing a crooked evil government dictatorship um yeah you can see that but like you hear the guy talk and he's nothing of the sort or he doesn't have any he doesn't sound crazy or, or extremist in any bit any which way but uh anyways this is an excellent movie um it looks great too synapse always does a really good job with this um there's a 5.1 new 5.1 surround track created specifically for this release and it's also it's it's amazing actually i have a surround sound system and i wanted to listen to it on there. there's lots of good explosions there's plenty of explosions plenty of action in glicken house movies and i mean i love the exterminator i really like uh shakedown and uh there's a couple other ones i think i've seen him do too that i really dig but he like he produced some uh, i think he hell he might even produce some of Lustig. Did he produce like some of the um, Maniac Cop sequels? Because they all feel like they just have that same kind of crazy energy about them at the time. But anyways, great stuff. McBain, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Good cast. And who doesn't want to see Ironside and walk and act together? Come on. Okay, this next one up is from Dark Sky Films, and this is If He Hollers, Let Him Go. And this, I didn't really know what to expect. It's from 68, which is a crazy year. Of course, you have Night of the Living Dead coming out that year. You have Rosemary's Baby. And this one, uh, I popped it in. It's all about a prison escape. We have this uh, this character here, this African-American character escaping prison. There's a guard killed, not his fault. 
And in this kind of small southern place, they kill the prisoners when they go for escape. You know, there's no death penalty there, but they're going to sure as hell kill you before they put you back where you were. And uh, he, he runs away, and he runs into Kevin McCarthy. That's right, the Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, a slew of Joe Dante movies, Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College with Kevin, and The Midnight Hour, of course, Kevin McCarthy's a great actor. So he picks him up, and he had just heard about the escape prisoner. But you, you think, this guy seems fairly educated, right? He, he's got to know this guy's the prisoner, but he starts to play along and humor him. And he eventually invites him back to his house and says, you know what, come back in. It, it's just, you know, you got a hurt leg and everything like that. And then uh, his wife comes home and um, the guy goes upstairs. His wife is making a room for him and he says, I want you to kill my wife. And I know you are. If you don't, I'll call the cops. If you do, I'll give you 10 grand. I'll give you a couple hours head start. And I'll give you the access to a plane to fly out of this country because um, we, we we learned that this guy is a murder rap and the cops are after him and everything like that. And through flashback, we learn his story and it kind of plays at the same time that this movie unfolds. Um, we're introduced to the back the, the flashback and Royal Dano's in there, which I was like, oh crap, Royal Dano's in this, which I love. And he doesn't really play a drunk. He doesn't play a great guy though, nor does Kevin McCarthy in here. But I find it very funny that Royal Dano, of course, was in all sorts of crazy movies like Messiah of Evil, Drunk. Um, killer clowns from outer space but more importantly ghoulies 2 so that's right we have ghoulies 2 alumni and ghoulies 3 alumni in a 1968 racially charged kind of like thought-provoking really good movie so that's funny uh ghoulies actors can do it all so um yeah this is really good stuff uh the, the lead actor here he like starts to kind of like be you realize he's very educated he's an artist and he's just really good and, and you side with him the whole time now it ends kind of on a middle note not a, not a really high note not a low note but a note that you're like well, that's just, I mean, you know, in a realistic way, that's the best you could have hoped for. Unfortunately, if he hollers, doesn't have any, um, if he hollers, let him go, doesn't have any special features. That's some really ugly scenes, of course, of racism. So that's going to be obviously bothersome. But this makes, just watch this and Night of the Living Dead the same day. I think that's just like kind of a great double feature to see, you know, where it's coming from. One that is clearly uh, intentionally kind of like a tackling the racial divide and one that subconsciously tackles the racial divide, um, both from the same year, both completely different approaches. But good film, nonetheless. If he hollers, let him go. Did not expect too much, but this is this is a really well done film. Okay, we have another one from Dark Force, and this is Whose Child Am I from 1976. Now, I never really saw this. I didn't hear too much about it, and I was always under the impression that is this kind of like a TV Rosemary's Baby ripoff, something along those kind of lines, yes. Um, but it's not necessarily that at all. In fact, this isn't a horror film at all. This is an exploitation movie kind of drama. Very strange. Um, basically, what we have here is, I guess you'll say, like the repercussions and the processes and anything that could possibly go wrong with artificial insemination. So there's follow about three or four different kind of storylines here that all kind of meet up at certain points. We have a doctor who basically is telling people that why don't they go the natural way of artificial insemination instead of getting this injected in you. It doesn't work as well. Just have somebody screw you. So that's basically he's on trial. And we also have a family that's had a kid that couldn't have a kid. And they're likely to come into some inheritance and everything like that. But it's challenged because we find out that this doctor also was the one who had the woman kind of sleeping with somebody else and everything like that. And the guy 
she slept with has hard feelings. So we kind of follow these three stories and they're, they're kind of bizarre. There's one kind of weird angle where somebody who's impregnated with the wrong sperm is going to have a biracial uh, baby, which is in 1976 is a little different than nowadays. There's also the possibility of uh, in, accidental incest, which is the name of a Richard Griffin movie, which is pretty funny. But uh, accidental incest, pretty crazy to tackle all these kind of things. The movie is, has a lot more nudity and sex and is more kind of like exploitative than one might think. And it does bring up some strange issues about this whole idea of you know whose child am I and it's just it's it's kind of a strange slice of life movie that's also kind of tackling and talking about it openly there's a lesbian couple in here so I don't know if this movie's progressive or just bizarre or just asking the questions that nobody else wants to um and doing it in kind of a, a movie that's trying to be entertaining at the same time as this British kind of exploitation flick, flick. There is a bonus feature on here as well called The Weekend Murders, and this one is from 1970. And believe it or not, this is kind of like this bizarre kind of comedy gialli uh, parody movie. And I'm not going to get into depth with this because the Code Red re, uh, released it before and I had covered that release and it's essentially the same release. Um, the movie itself, I don't love. It, it's just bizarre and weird. And it all takes place kind of on a golf course where uh, people are getting picked off maybe if i gave it another spin i might have appreciation for it but it never really came together for me it's kind of you know we had baba of course in the 60s with his jelly and then we had of course dario in 1970 with the bourbon crystal plumage it's really hard to kind of look at this the weekend murders and say this is the same year as the bourbon the crystal plumage and be like yeah one of these is not like the other because dario's films were so much more unique and different and baba's of course as well than a lot of the other jelly that were going on but this is whose child am i and weekend murders check them out Okay, guys, we're going to hop into those 1981 movies. Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world.
Valentine's Day is a curse that'll live on and on. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. In this little town, when the 14th comes round, there's a silence and fear in the air. Remember the morn that the legend was born, all the shock and the horror was there. Or oh, the legend they say on a Valentine's Day is a curse that'll live on and on. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. And the first one up is, of course, from 81, and this is Lady Stay Dead. This is a Code Red release. This is an Australian flick. This is by the director who did In of, uh, what is those movies, In of the Damned and Night of Fear, which I never actually did see, but I know that I have them on a double feature. So Lady Stay Dead, this is a rewatch for me, and I didn't remember everything about it. I did remember a guy fucking sand, and that is indeed kind of in here. He uses some sand, some beach to jumpstart a masturbation session fun so essentially what we have here is this kind of a rich person that's staying in this motel and there's a kind of a handyman gardener around that looks like one of the dreadnoughts from um gi joe if you guys remember uh one of the kind of cobra kind of scuzz punks whatever the fuck they were i don't know there's a bunch of them so essentially what we have here is this guy obviously has a couple you know uh, uh you know screws loose so he takes pictures of naked women and assumes that he has committed sexual, you know, deviant crimes before. He's kind of obsessed with this woman and he's spying on her until one day he kind of moves in after the voyeurism has gone pretty strong and he attempt he rapes her. And uh, she obviously does not react well to this, and he ends up drowning her in a fish tank. Which, I think there is a murder scene involving a fish tank this year as well from Eyes of a Stranger, which is fun, cool slasher film. And the year before, He Knows You're Alone has a murder involving a fish tank. So fish tank whore, I guess. Um, so, so anyways, after that, uh, you know, the guy, the girl's sister's showing up, there's other people showing up, and by the end of it, there's a pair of cops, one of which is played by the big bruiser in uh, Turkey Shoot, the bald guy who does the... The kind of punching in everybody's face. He's also in, you know, Road Warrior or the Mad Max. And so, you know, Roger Collins, if I'm not mistaken, maybe that's not his real name, but this guy is in a slew of these Aussie movies. So these cops show up and have a stand, uh, you know, standoff and it gets really action and crazy and a little fast paced at the end comparatively for the rest of the film. It's a lot of cat and mouse. Uh, the, the main bad guy is weird. He's bizarre. He's creepy. Um, and, and you do root for the female here. And there's there's tons of nudity in this film, too. It's more of an exploitation horror film. There's a lot of nudity. Within the first five minutes, you see full-on, full frontal. And I'm just like, wow, we're doing that. It had been a while since I watched, and it happens three or four fucking times. So I was like, that, that's kind of uh, intense for 81, you know, an Aussie movie. So this is a pretty solid flick, pretty solid horror flick, suspense thriller kind of deal. I would put it in the horror of course, you know, he has to come across a couple of people and kill them. There's some kind of weird scenes, and he doesn't, like, just 
he's not your typical killer where he's like, I didn't do it. He like kind of is like, or he tries to shy away from things. He's like, oh, that didn't, did that happen? I'll, I'll go check for it. He does these like weird things where you think he might not be involved, but as the audience, we know he is involved. But yeah, this is a good flick. This is called Lady Stay Dead. Um, is this the first Australian one I've covered? Um, I know I did Strange Behavior already, and that's kind of an Aussie, or is that a New Zealand uh, co-production? But anyways, Lady Stay Dead, worth, worth a watch. Okay, the next one up is going to be Midnight Offerings with Melissa Sue Anderson, um, also in Happy birthday to me this year and this is a tv film if i didn't mention that before so what we have is this new girl lands in town and uh you find out that she's just kind of an outcast has always been um there is kind of like a football sweetheart that uh has some dirt on him and he starts to show a liking to this girl but his previous girl sent girlfriend melissa sue anderson doesn't like it because she's interested in the occult and she is the seventh child and she has a dark history and she may have powers and she's not afraid to use them so we kind of have like a uh, proto craft here where these two girls both have kind of these powers and they're kind of butting heads and you know she's giving her you know ultimatum you leave town or i'm going to take you out starts to hurt family members around here people end up dead a la village of the damned that kind of deal so so that's kind of what we have here as far as the film is concerned it's pretty decent melissa sue anderson is kind of you know scary i guess intimidating i guess you'd say in terms of a high school horror deal you know it does have like some carry elements as well this is a pretty solid tv movie to be honest, I have no complaints. I was entertained throughout the entire film. The acting is solid. There's a good scene in the wood shop uh, where the, the guy comes in. He's like, "What's going on here?" And she completely like gets him to leave because she she basically just uses her powers to his advantage and almost blackmails the poor guy. But that's a really solid scene. Uh, overall, this is a good movie. Mid- Midnight Offerings. I don't have too much to say about it, but um, I liked kind of the seances and all the kind of weird stuff she's doing. And the ending is solid. It ends on a pretty dark note, but that's Midnight Offerings. I would recommend it. Check it out. You probably find it on YouTube. Well worth your time. TV movies in the 80s were not, you know, they weren't like they were in the, in the 90s and 2000s and past that where they're just really crummy hallmark christmas movies where everybody has these big fucking smiles on their face and they're getting presents and everything everything's great but then you know something really sad happened you know we we broke an ornament or some shit i don't know i don't i don't watch them so maybe i shouldn't judge next up is another one from 81 of course and this is savage harvest not to be confused with the eric stanzi film from 1994 this is one uh basically people say it's night of living dead with lions but it basically reminds me of the shadow of kilimanjaro from 1986 where the baboons went crazy and berserk and it's based on a true story. This is also loosely based on a true story here. So in uh, Africa, we have this severe drought where um, basically... Uh, you know, people are leaving from the village, so all the workers are kind of getting out of this place, and we have some of these kind of like South, I guess they're probably South African family living at this like nice exotic place or whatever. You know, Tom Skirrett is there, his family's living there, but he's kind of estranged from them, and like somebody else is with them. Um, and, and I don't know if his family is native from around here, probably not, but raised up here and everything like that. So they have this kind of uh, nice place with like servants and everything like that. And of course, you know, people are getting picked off on the outskirts, like any good. Uh, animals attacks or creature feature movie you know even tremors has that people getting picked out in the outskirts the pack it's always like that right so people are getting attacked by these lions injured people are being drug off into the night and eaten a a local kind of doctor is killed so eventually the lions kind of set focus on this family and this family is stuck in this house while the lions try to get them it's not as uh, you know exhilarating as night of living dead but the fact that they use giant large cats is really intimidating it's really scary all that stuff's great you know the the stunt work and that the direction is 
is pretty good. It's good stuff. The concept is scary, um, and it, it works well. But the, the I guess the script is pretty crummy, and I don't want to be rude. It's not a horrible movie. It's, it's a little above average. But the script is, is, is really beat by beat, by the numbers, kind of annoyance. Well, they'll be like, they'll all settle down, and they'll be sitting there, and then they'll have this heart-to-heart. It's like, why did you leave me? Or, I don't know this, a heart-to-heart or like a personality thing. And then the lion comes in. And then I was like, oh, that happens like four or five fucking times in a row. And at one point they sing, I want to hold your hand and like, like Alka Palco or whatever. They're all like singing and like, oh, I want, and then of course, you know, what's going to happen? A lion's going to come. And you know, 90% of the time, everybody's going to be completely safe. The only people that are going to die are the servants, which they don't seem to give a damn about. Nobody seems to care about these poor servants. And not to mention, of course, you know, the new dad. He's as good as dead because he's kind of a prick and he shows up. He's going to get mauled by the lions. So when the lions attack, it's pretty scary. The kind of concoction they make to get out of the situation is cool. Overall, it's a pretty solid movie. I might have more appreciation for it if it didn't, if all the the copies around weren't shit. I mean, it's only been released on TV and VHS and nowhere else, from my understanding. Maybe not even VHS. But uh, I love the title. Of course, Savage Harvest is a great title. And I love the concept. I love animal attacks movies back in the day when they used real animals and it was scary as fuck. Um, I mean, when I, I mean, those movies, I just have a special place for in my heart. Uh, stuff like Wild Beast and Day of the Animals and, and whatever, The Pack. Those are just such good films on the next level. But uh, yeah, this one is okay. It's solid. I'm glad I watched it for 81. The next one from 1981 is The Phantom Killer. And this is a golden harvest. This is not a Shaw Brothers movie. And if you were looking for a couple movies to compare it to, I would say this is kind of like Human Lanterns from the Shaw Brothers. And it's kind of like Corpse Mania from the Shaw Brothers this year. So it's similar to those. Not nearly as good as Human Lanterns or Corpse Mania, but it's not horrible either. So what we have here is there is this ladies' man that all the women can't, they, they all adore him, they all want him, and every time he visits one of them, they end up dead. And they are visited by this skull, kind of this 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 kind of phantom killer, if you will. And he's wearing a skull, or they're wearing a skull, and you don't know if it's actually a skeleton doing all this, and they'll, they'll end up killing all these women. Of course, you know the local captain and everything, points the finger at him. What's going on? And there's a bunch of missing people around, love interest included, uh, and he starts to get involved with the family, and he starts to do helping the detective do some sleuthing, and they're looking around for this killer until, of course, there's going to be a reveal. Uh, yes, the killer does attack, and there's some martial arts work here. There's some bizarre characters, including kind of uh, somebody who does, like, clay pots, which is, he's involved because, guess what? Somebody was found in a fucking clay pot dead. Um, there's also uh, a, a short person, a small person in here that throws down and does some martial arts and there's a couple twists and turns and everything like that the martial arts stuff is good the horror is okay the funny thing is they lift 90 percent of the soundtrack from other movies you'll hear the phantasm music right in the beginning i was like wait a minute wait a minute why are you stealing phantasm music um but it works and i like how the movie looks like i said it's very has a similar vibe to human lanterns and corpse mania but those movies are just a little bit better done this also doesn't look great either so maybe if it was remastered and fixed up could it could shine some light on this movie but that is the phantom killer uh Golden Harvest slick. A Golden Harvest and Shaw Brothers are both awesome. So I always try to watch all their horror films from a year when I get it when I'm doing a certain year. Okay, the Patreon pick this week is Snakes or uh, Snake or Serpent of the Layer of the Serpent. This is a Chinese or is it um, a Hong Kong? I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I believe it may be Chinese, Asian for sure. It's made in 2017, 2018, and Jonathan Wilhelm picked this. This is a bizarre film. It is on Tubi, um, and there's already like two sequels. 
So uh, this must take place in a weird mythical world, I guess, because this world makes no sense to me, but okay. So uh, what we have here is this giant snake attack in the very beginning, a giant CGI snake, and you're like, ah, I don't like how he looks too much. But everything else seems fairly practical when they can use practical effects, and it's on location, and like they're really trying, it seems like. There is the weird humor, which is is in a lot of Chinese films in general, uh, uh, humor that doesn't really feel like it fits or anything. And there's, of course, an overweight character that everyone refers to as Fatty, which, have you ever seen any Asian films, especially in China and Hong Kong and those places? The fat character will be referred to as Fatty for the remainder of the picture. Sorry. But so essentially we have a group of people that are going to go look for this blood orchid. Well, wasn't that one of the anacondas? Some sort of magic kind of like flower. So uh, we're going to go to this crazy adventure town. You know, think Mighty Peking Man. Think King Kong, right? We're going to go through this crazy um, Congo. We're going to go through this crazy weird adventure. And there's going to be all sorts of nutsoid obstacles. And the characters are all going to be picked off. Jurassic Park, Lost World. All the, which is just King Kong. But you see what I'm saying. So it's an adventure film in that aspect. Um, it feels like Anaconda as well in that aspect. And of course, it does also feel even like, you know, an Indiana Jones movie because we're looking for basically the, um, what, what the, 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 the Last Crusade. We're looking for, um, the, the fountain of youth, the, you know? So this character has cancer. He's ungodly rich. He brings a bunch of mercenaries, a bunch of other tech experts, a nurse, all these people with him to try to figure this out. And they go into this on kind of looked at crazy uninhabitable place. And the first thing they encounter is a bunch of flying fish that have gone berserk. When they're in the air, they're CGI. They look like crap. But when they land on the boat, they look pretty cool. They're practical. Tons of people die here. Kill count's insane. As they go further, they run into the giant snake that pretty much eats most of the cast. Of course, you know, people show their true colors. People survive. People make self-sacrifices. Some of the badass mercenaries aren't so badass. Some of them are badass. And that's kind of the plot of this, you know. Uh, besides the CGI, and uh, it doesn't really feel like they could get away with doing it practical. And some people say, then why do it? But um, I thought that some of the action was good. I thought it seemed genuine, like it was genuinely trying to make a fun movie with what they had. So you, I got to give props for the snake movie. It's not nearly as bad as I thought it would be after the first five minutes. I was like, oh man, but I was like, I don't know. I can't, I think I can get used to it. So overall, I thought it was kind of a fun movie. Now, like when you pop in something like Calamity of Snakes from 82, 83, you're just see like the real snakes. You're just like, wow, shit has changed a lot. But snakes, it's worth checking out. It's on Tubi. It's free. Why not? You've seen worse. I know it. All right, let's get into these questions, comments, concerns, and everything else. Movie Junkie Reviews. Hell Knight is a lot of fun. Linda Blair played a nice, sweet character. That she does. Brandon loves the movies. Yeah, man. Long live physical media collecting. Also, the 1981-centric genre film music video, or however you want to say it, was perfectly edited and scored. Dude, did you do that yourself, or was it a collaboration? Again, super cool from a genre fan. It was really nice. Yeah, I did it. I also did one for 1980 and 85, and a bunch of other years, 1970, 91. Um, I'm going to do it for the entire 80s uh, at the very end. So. And he says also, seriously, man, you're really talented. That seemed very well done and professionally made. Congrats on that. I'm also always glad to meet another physical media collector as well. Very much so. Thanks. I appreciate it. I really do. Film Wolf. Hey, Dave. Recent, uh, I basically ask everyone, did they have any cool pickups recently? You know, movies, Blu-rays, whatever. Film Wolf. Hey, Dave. Recent Vinegar Syndrome sale. I nabbed Don't Panic. Fun movie. Demon Wind. Ridiculous movie. Blood Delirium. Fun movie. Evil Laugh. Been years. Hot Snake slash Guns and Guts. Great movies. And Don't Open Till Christmas. I doubt that survived the sale with a slipcover. That's also a wild movie. Steven Hyde. You're so handsome. I have the sweetest eyes. Do I? 
Mm. I'm just kidding. Uh, Nick Mua, ah, Hell Knight. Don't you just love those classic, unpretentious slasher films from the golden age? Actually, I do love all horror movies almost. My recent, my favorite recent pickups are, I managed to grab the Imprints Hammer Horror for Gothic Horror Films. Nice. The box set contained Countess Dracula, Hands of the Ripper, Twins of Evil, and my personal favorite, Vampire Circus. I love Vampire Circus. It's mine too. My favorite uh, one. Countess Dracula is totally underrated movie. Love that movie. All four of those are good. Good stuff. That's a great set. Those are the ones that Synapse put out a while back and then it seems like Imprint upgraded them. They, uh, those Synapse Blu-rays don't even have subtitles. So the films looked and sounded excellent, and the special features are out of this world. As you promised, Vinegar Syndrome from Beyond re-release is otherworldly. It was an upgrade for sure. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, for sure. 88 films. Species box set. It's pretty great, too, especially the Kim Newman, Sean Hogan commentary in Part 1. I'll have to try to get that. Lastly, Second Sights, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, Collector's Edition. is fiendishly good. The Cat Ellinger commentary is top-notch. I bet. Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell is a pretty fun hammer one. Questions. Were you subjected to the Hell Knight during college? Man, I went to a, a community college, and if somebody was like, Hell Knight, Hell Knight, they're catching an elbow in their fucking face. I'm sorry. Uh, slashers are usually about teenagers. Can you still relate to teens and slashers now that you're older, though you don't look a day over 25? Of course, especially when you're wearing the slutty tank top. Bro, I look 47. But um, I, I don't know. It depends on the movie. Um, like, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was fun because they were par- like making fun of modern teens and everything like that. You know, you can get used... You know, you you can watch movies from your time when you were a teenager and get them. But as you get older, sometimes you're watching kids that are teens now and you won't get some of the references. But, you know, I try to take every movie for what it is. And I don't really try to hold it over their heads uh, or get annoyed by certain things. I just want... Kids are kids, man. Good night, Sensei, uh, Sensei Parker. Keep the task coming so we tiny grasshoppers can be great, become great warriors like you. I, I am just a guy who watches movies. Collectus TV. The only new release I got was Linnea Quigley's Horror Workout, and it was awesome. I love it. Southport Rocker. Game Trilogy Sounds. Looks interesting. It is. John Walsh. Loved Masuda in Black Rain, directed by Ridley Scott. He played a villain quite well named Sato. His boss, Shuga, was played by the same guy who played the baby car- samurai movies of the 60s and 70s. Nice. Those, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, Ilk Vomit. I've had the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of Witchcraft for a long time. I haven't even opened it yet. Had no idea it was out of print. That's Witch Trap. Uh... Nobody put out the witchcraft uh, series yet. Yet. Sean, didn't you? I also liked Army of Darkness the best, and it was the first of the three I, I saw. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the key. Mark Ball. The second site, Martin, released was the last thing I picked up, and it's a thing of beauty. I have a few things on the way from Vinegar Syndrome and their halfway to Black Friday sale. Good stuff, Mark. Dave Luton, Indicator release. This uh, this brilliant box set recently. This is one of my favorites, and it is uh, Stanley Long's Adventure. It's a Adventure box set with a uh, taxi uh, driver and some other ones, Private Eyes. Um, private something. Aaron Carruthers, Writing Wrongs from 88 Films. Fun movie. Steve Rodinsky, The Bubba Hotep 4K is an amazing transfer. I'll have to get that. Some kind of, some kind of Bubba Hotep. I love that movie. Rob Kopinski, uh, X-Files box set. Not the greatest displacement, but for the pri- displacement, but for the price, seasons 1 through 11, it was hard to argue. Uh, it was a UK release. Mike Merriman, Creepshow 4, later this month. Lacey Lou, I haven't watched it yet, but I just picked up Steelbook of the Fifth Element of the Garage Sale for a dollar. Terrence Cover, the recent release of Dr. Caligari. Um, Jesse Bard, uh, City of the Living Dead 4K, James D. Coke, stepping away from the world of cult. I was happy to get my three favorite Kubrick movies and in one release. It's basically, what is it? The Shining, uh, uh, Clockwork Orange and 2001. Is that what's in that set? Dennis Record, The House of Seven Courses. Very cool. Mason Grimes, Hung Drew from Saturn Core was a hoot. Slade Craven, just got the Our Empire set. And oh my God, what a cool and beautiful idea. Can't wait to dive into that bad boy. It'll be popping up this or next week. Rye Guy, Evil Dead 2 4K. 
Army of Darkness, he bought the soundtrack. Batman Begins, Zavi, Deluxe Edition, Spider-Man, O2, La La Score, Daredevil, O3 Score, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Waxwork Score, American Assassin, Steelbook. Haven't purchased much as of late, but more things in the works to come. Shajin Barbarian, I picked up the Bollywood collection for Mondo Macabro. I'm pretty excited about that, but I haven't had watched any of it yet. I, I need to get that. Frederick Fredson, the only movie I bought in years is Society. And we'll all sing together love that movie jerry cortez the set uh, he basically posted uh the bloodthirsty trilogy set from arrow which is a really good toho vampire set from the early 70s he said the set is amazing starts with very unconventional vampire tale before taking leading into more traditional vampire stories uh in the next two that's a great set Ken Coakley, it's been a while since I saw Hell Knight, but I remember liking it. The director, Tom Simone is from my hometown of Boston. His brother, Bob Simone was in Savage Streets in Friday 13th Part 5. Of course, other cast members were Peter Barton from Friday 13th Part 4, Vince Van Patten from Rock and Roll High School, Kevin Brothy starred on the TV show in the 70s called Lucan, in which he played a young man raised by wolves. Or is that Lycan? Um, the movie itself, re, uh, you spelled it L-U-C-A-N, but Lycan would be L-Y-C-A, who cares? The movie itself reminded me of Madman because it all took place in one night and the killers uh, in both films were deformed. Yeah, I, I got this. I recorded a thing for Madman in um, uh, Monday. Um, so basically, I basically go through and talk about all the deformed killers, the rule versus city killers. Uh, Ken Coakley also says, being in a nursing home, it's hard to afford to buy new Blu-rays. A few months ago, I got an Australian box of The Wicker Man. It came with three cuts of the film, with my favorite cut being the extended cut. I also got Hard Rock Zombies, which I love. Um, I'm not the hugest fan of Hard Rock Zombies, but I have a real soft spot for it. And I will tell you the song Cassie. Oh, Cassie. That fucking, it's a, it's, that's a great song. It's a great song. I love it. Um, you know what? I only have two things to show for an update, so I'm just going to do them right here and make it easy on myself. The first up is from Third Window Films, and this is Nobukuko Obakashi's. I mispronounced his name. I believe that's the director who did Haosu, but this is his 80 uh, Kadokawa years, and this is School in the Crosshairs, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, The Island, Closest to Heaven, His Motorbike, Her Island. And I had to have this set because I liked Haosu so much. And School, um, this one, the one School in Crosshairs is from 81. I can't wait to watch it for 81. But this is a cool set from Third Window. It is, of course, region locked. Great stuff. Very excited to watch that. And last, from Shout Factory, Screen Factory, Private Parts from 72, directed by Paul Bartel. Really bizarre film. It's been years since I've watched it. Paul Bartel is a great director. He did Death Race 2000, and he also did Eating Raul, and he's a very funny actor. You'll see him pop up in stuff like Piranha, Eating Raul, Chopping Mall. Just a really cool, fun, comical actor and great director. But Private Parts, it's been a long time. Very sleazy movie, and this looks like it has a commentary with... Uh, Film historian David Duvall and David Dakota, which is great because they're perfect for this kind of movie. But uh, yeah, that's all I have, and I guess we're going to be out of here. All right, guys, thank you very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Yeah.